0: Box Spots and Chair Shots, and people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Bosh Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms
1: to make sure we're and here on box Spots and Chair Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here, definitely from the spotlight, on the savage representing a takeover, Spots and, and Chair Shots, just
0: Savage. Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots, and Share Shots. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and joining me tonight is a former WWE and OVW star. You've seen him everywhere from Ring of Honor to MLW. He is Mike Mondo. Mike, thanks for coming on. Show us some wrestling, brother. How are you? Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Man, I'm glad we could work this out, uh, get it knocked out. Um... So I always kind of start the, these kind of the same way, man. What's going on new with you in 2022
1: right now? Uh, yeah, man, you know, um, uh, a lot's going on right now, actually. I just started up, uh, uh, I just became the head trainer uh, at the NYWC Pro Wrestling School here in Long Island, New York. Uh, started a few weeks ago and uh, just having a great time. Uh, a lot of potential uh, that, that I'm seeing there. And uh, that's pretty much the biggest thing, uh, just doing that. And a lot of seminars, um, I'm actually getting back in the ring I uh, had a little health scare, but I'm good to go now. Everything's fine. I'm healthy. Uh, so I had to take a little time off in the ring physically, but I'll be back in February uh, to the Psycho Circus at NYWC, and then I'm uh, going to Italy in March, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm kind of looking to get the ball going from February on. So, um, you know, I know it's kind of early to plug, you know, to book me, but if you want to <laughs> book me from February on, you know, you got the Mike Mondo at gmail.com, you know. So uh, that, that's pretty much what's going on for me for the most part. You know, uh, just staying active, um, you know, giving back to the wrestling business and, um, you know, doing what I got to do to help other people uh, start a career.
0: So right before we went on air, we were just kind of chatting a little bit about it, but you mentioned the Mondo Boot Camp. Uh, What's going on there? Let's talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, ma'am. Mondo Boot Camp, a little service that, uh, you know, I provided for everybody out there. Um, You know, you only get in the ring. You only get better in this business by getting in the ring with people that are better than you uh, or have more experience. And, uh, you know, I've been in the business for over 20 years now. I've been all around the world, uh, wrestling for WWE, OVW, Ring of Honor, um, you know, pretty much uh, almost every major promotion out there. So um, with that being said, uh, provide a little service here, Mondo Boot Camp, pick the mind of Mondo, um, hashtag that, and uh, send me your match. um, And I'll dissect it from A to Z to the bone. you give you the pros, give you the cons, uh, point out all the little things that you need to do to be a, a better wrestler, uh, stuff that the WWE is looking for, um, you know, the body language, the little things, the uh, facial expressions, the psychology of a match, the promo. I'll go through everything A through Z and, of course, have a QA and a with you at the end for any questions that you may have. Uh, it's only $20, uh, themikemondo at gmail.com or DM me at themikemondo on Twitter and I uh, look forward to working with you. I have to
0: ask because uh, as I jokingly call myself a chef by trade and a mark by choice, I am very much a guest in the wrestling business as much as the boys allow me to be. Um, yeah. when when you're when you're looking at it like that, do you feel like it's still as important in 2022 as it was in the territory days going back before even you started for the veterans to help these young guys get over, to talk about their matches, to come to them and say, Hey, what can I do to be better? How important is that
1: for these young guys to come to you guys as the veterans? Oh, it's extremely important. Um, you know, because, um, if you, uh, it's like you get in the ring with someone that's equal experience with you or less. You know, you guys are kind of on the same playing field. You know, you need to have that experienced veteran that's been there, that's done that, that's made the mistakes uh, I've made. Every mistake, like when I go, when I watch matches and I critique them, I go, yeah, I've done that. Well, I've done that and I've done it a lot worse, you know. <laughs> so, um, but it's a matter of doing it, making the mistakes, you know, and learning from the mistakes and having those experienced veterans that have uh, been there, done that to explain to you, you know, this is, that's not right. And this is the reason why, um, you know, so you don't go out there and do the same thing. Um, and, and that's why, you know, it's like, you know, it's like in anything, you know, the longer you're in something, just the better you get, you know. So it's like, why not get a head start? and try to uh, do what you got to do to pick the brains of those that have been before you. And, um, you know, uh, just that's how you get better. And that's where the car rides come in back in the territory days. You know, we don't really have the car rides too often now with the territories because it's just a different era. But, you know, that's where the seminars come into play. Um, the service that I'm providing with uh, the Mondo camp, you know, so um, you can you can, uh, you can get that how, just like how it was back in the day. So yeah, very important. Uh,
0: having a chance to transition from you're uh, you're still doing in-ring work, but being such a prominent
1: trainer right now, what was that transition like for you? Um, you know, it wasn't too hard. Um, I've been a trainer for many, many years. I've, uh, I remember when I first went down to OVW. and We can t- talk about that a little later. But uh, you know, I was kind of thrown in the training role quite early in my career. Um, so I kind of got my feet wet with that pretty early. Um, being a trainer actually also helps me perform as a performer. Uh, it, it it makes me better, you know, because I'm seeing things, I'm going over the basics and the fundamentals and the, and the psychology every single day with my students. So it's almost like a reminder for me, you know, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, done this way you know or and uh it's all about getting that repetition you know whether it's physically and mentally and um so yeah i think it's uh you know uh, make the transition pretty easy and um you know there's a lot of great wrestlers out there and there's a lot of great coaches but there's very few great wrestlers and great coaches you know not to um I don't like i'm not one to put myself over but you know i'm trying to stay humble here but i feel like i got, I got both qualities you know what i mean and i just said my resume speaks for itself i think um you know and um it's just uh just a great great uh blessing for me i'm, I'm very happy to do it uh let's take a look back at it i always like to uh... When I do these, I like to kind of walk
0: through everybody's career and kind of that way we can see who the person was as the worker from the beginning of their career through the end of it. So let's talk about your training. Where did you get your first exposure to training? How did you go about getting into the training process? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I uh,
1: went to an independent show when I was 18 years old. And, um, you know, I just there was intermission and people were getting in the ring and I'm like, well, Hey, man, I, you know, I always wanted to get in the ring. So I'm going to get in the damn ring, you know, and take, take some bumps and hit the ropes and, you know, uh, kind of live in the moment, you know, for a little bit, be a, be a, a fan come to life, you know? And uh, when I did that, someone took notice and uh, because they thought I was a wrestler and I'm uh, when I was, when I was doing that, they thought I was in the business and I'm like, no, I'm not in the business at all. I actually just, uh, started college. Uh, I'm a football player, you know, but I do have aspirations to get in the business one day. Um, you know, and, um, they gave me his card and everything like that. And I was like, okay, um, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go check this out. You know, uh, Nothing was really happening for me football-wise at the time when I was in college, and I'm like, you know, and I might as well start as young as I can, put myself in the best position to succeed. So I went down, and it was uh, it was Critical Mass Pro Wrestling, which is now called NYWC today, uh, in Hicksville, Long Island, and uh, like a little dingy garage that just has a lot of character to it, you know, and I remember walking in there on a Thursday night, and everyone's kind of staring at me, uh, I met the owner, uh, John Kirst, he was my original trainer, and Mike Mayhem, and uh, pretty much signed the papers there, and I started the following Tuesday, so, um, you know, I started uh, down there in Hicksville at NYWC, and I was down there for about eight months total, uh, every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, that was my wrestling class, tra- uh, my, my wrestling classes, and, you know, and and that's how I started, How similar
0: are those classes to how you start your classes now? Is there any similarities? Did you take anything from the first days in your training to where you're at now? Is there anything left? Or have you just kind of all
1: adapted to become who you are in 2022? Yeah, I kind of adapted to to, to who I am in 2022. I I probably don't do too much when I was, you know, because I remember I, gotta think hard but you know uh, we did a lot of moves i remember you know and, and the moves came naturally to me because i just emulated what i saw on tv and um, even my trainer was like wow man this kid's gonna be freaking good one day you know but uh i really didn't learn how to work you know um why, why why they gave me the foundation and ywc i don't want to discredit that you know what i'm saying but uh um when i really it clicked for me was when i went to ovw that's where i really learned how to incorporate the moves at the right place at the right time of the match and the psychology. And I'm like, Oh, so a light bulb goes off. This is how it's supposed to be done, you know? And, and then through my experience uh, that I got in New York, as well as my OVW experience uh, from the several different trainers and bookers that came uh, through when I was there, I kind of incorporated that and implemented that and started, uh, you know, passing down the knowledge. And then as my experience grew, you know, I just, whatever I learned, I just kept passing down. So, um, you know, that's the whole idea of it, you know, keep uh, giving back and stuff like that for to those that came before you.
0: Uh, when you were kind of going through that training process and working with some of these guys, you crossed paths with Mikey Whipwreck. He's kind of an infamous name in the wrestling business. Uh, you know, what was it
1: like when you had a chance to, to work with Mikey? I love Mikey, man. He's uh, uh, not only a peer, but just that uh, we became friends, especially when we started working together. Uh Mikey is a guy that uh gosh, I remember when I was so green, you know, we had we just had a match and he led me, uh took me by the hand and just led me through it A through Z. And uh just to get that type of experience. And that was an example of you'll get in the ring with people that are better than you. And Mikey elevated me that night, you know, and he made me better. And then uh down the road years later, we crossed paths again and uh we had like I think a three-match series. Um, and again, it was one of those things where it was it was uh, refreshing and it was nice because I was getting in there with someone with more experience than me. And, um, you know, I could, I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity and if I could pick up one thing, you know, or ten things, you know, whatever it may be. But I was like, this is, this is pretty damn cool, you know. And um, we, uh, had, we had great matches. You know, we, just, we actually had really good chemistry. And, um, you know, the people were into it. Uh, Mikey was happy with the matches with me, which made me feel good because I didn't want to disappoint him. And, um, you know, he just has a great reputation, great guy and uh, great career, you know, and uh, I hope I run into him down the road again.
0: Uh, I always like hearing the, the stories about that when you hear two guys cross paths, just two genuinely good people in the business. Um mm-hmm. so you mentioned yeah. it now. Uh let's get into OVW. When you kind of got into and I'm just gonna call it the system. And by that I mean the WWE system as you started climbing through uh their developmental in OVW. Let's start there. What was what was it like for you getting into OVW?
1: Oh uh, it was freaking my first big break in the wrestling business. Um I remember when I was home, um there was a trial camp that was online and uh it was a thousand dollars to get down there and uh do it for a week and i'm like you know what wwe is the place that i've always wanted to be this is the farm system the developmental system here and uh this is where i need to be so um i talked to my parents you know we uh, the, uh we made it happen i went down there and um just i did my, the best i could it was run by dr tom pritchard jim cornett uh, Danny Davis, uh, Rip Rogers, I think Rocky Johnson was down there at the time. And uh, I just gave it my all, you know. And um, when I got home two days later, I got a call from Jim Cornette. And he said, uh, you know, Mike, and we were impressed by your, with what you did. We think you got a lot of potential. We're not going to hire you, but we want you to come down and train with the advanced class. You know, uh, you can get a job down here, you know, to support yourself. And that's how I started. And um, after I finished my semester in college. Uh, And then packed my bags with nothing pretty much and moved to Louisville, Kentucky to pursue a dream. So that's where it all started. Um, My first trainer when I went down there was Rip Rogers, um, who was a friend of mine and a mentor to me to me this day, still learn from him, ask him questions, whether it's about training or performing. Um, it just, the wealth, wealth of knowledge and and really like gave me the love, you know, taught me how to work and, and and be the guy who I am today. So, um, yeah, that, that's where it all started. You have any other questions on OVW? Because I I mean, it's, that's a very bold topic. I got a lot of info, you know what (laughs) what I mean? But that's how I got down there. So, yeah. When you got in
0: there and you started to go through that process, the OVW, OVW locker room was stacked. I mean, you've seen people like Sean Spears, Cody Rollins, or Rollins or Rhodes, or whichever version you want to, uh, you know. Plus, you mentioned you had the Dr. Tom Pritchard, you had Jim Cornette, some of the guys to pick their brains. What was it like having just going from the indies to breaking into OVW and it's like going into this wealth of just wrestling knowledge at
1: just just there to be picked? Well, I always put OVW, and I always say to this day that it's, it's like entering the Harvard School of Pro Wrestling. You know, um, I mean, you're going. It's 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 a professional atmosphere. Like you're at you're in the you're at the real deal. You're at the big leagues. You know, um, I mean, that's where it's at. And I was I knew the opportunity that I had and i you know i even made a point to myself i'm gonna make the most of this because not this isn't a place that anybody can just come down walk through the doors and get that kind of opportunity and especially since it was granted to me at such a young age i was like you know i really need to embrace this and uh you know um pick this up as best as i can as fast as i can you know and that was my goal so uh what did i do i just became a sponge you know and um Whenever opportunity was available, I made sure to pursue it. Uh, I always asked a lot of questions. I tried to be the first person there, the last person to leave. Um, And I just worked as hard as I can, you know, and uh, just did the best I could. You know, it was a very long day for me because practice would start at 8 a.m. and end sometimes at 4 p.m. And then I got to go to the gym. I got to go to my job. And then I got to, you know, get whatever hours of sleep and do it all over again the next day. It was a full-time job, you know, pretty much and um so yeah i mean like uh just just doing that like with rip rogers and and learning how to book with jim Cornette, and, and doing tv and getting the tv experience every wednesday night and then doing house shows on the weekend uh friday and saturday sometimes sunday so it, you know it was pretty much it was it was for for the territories not being around anymore today it was it was probably one of the last territories that were around that's how they ran things you know and uh that's exactly what it was. So just to get that, uh, that experience, you know, of doing it five, five days a week, you know, six days a week. Um, it was very, uh, very cool.
0: Uh, speaking on Jim Cornette, just out of curiosity, what was it like working with such a polarizing figure in the business? He's branded as being one of the best managers and mouthpieces in history. What was it like when you had a chance to work with him though, and for him to critique you and to, to have a chance to learn from somebody who's love him or
1: hate him been so important inside the business. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first got there, I was kind of intimidated and a little scared, you know, because I'm like an 18 year old kid and I'm like, shh, shh, shit, man, I'm working for a uh, Jim Cornette right now, you know? And, uh, you know, this is somebody I watched on TV growing up and I knew the respect he had and the credentials he had. Um, and I'm just like, man, I really don't want to mess this up, you know, but then, you know, as, as you get there, you get your feet wet, uh, your confidence starts to build the more you go to class and keep learning and getting better. Um, and, uh, finally when Jim, you know, he threw me out there. I remember when I saw my name on the piece of paper for my first dark match, I'm like, uh, well, all right, it starts tonight, you know? And, um, I, I got back from that dark match and, and Jim was luckily a, a fan of the match, you know, and, um, I went by my real name that match, Mike Brenley, and uh, he wasn't a fan of the name, uh, but, uh, he came up with my, uh, I credit him cause he's the guy that came up with Mike Mondo, you know, uh, Mike Mondo is a giant killer and that's been my name since. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, um, you know, it's one of those things you just sometimes it's out of your hands. You just got to go out there and do the best you can. And if you come back and get yelled at, you just got to know that it's you're getting yelled at for good reason. It's going to get you, you know, to get better. Not that like he hates you personally or anything like that, Um, but to get his knowledge and get his experience. And uh, especially for me, because uh, when I was really young, I lacked in promos um and uh you know the work kind of came natural to me but the promos is what i struggle with so to ask questions and to get that experience and for him to give me feedback on I mean, you're one of the best promos in the business you know what i mean obviously and uh so that helped elevate that area you know for me but um it was really really cool we grew a relationship that just got stronger ever since i, I credit jim for giving me um pretty much most if not all my breaks in the wrestling business um, cause a lot of it, you know, in, in this business to who you know, and right place, right time. And, you know, a lot of things you can't control, but Jim was the guy that always believed in me, um, put me in, in the right position, uh, to succeed. Um, you know, that went on with ring of honor later on, he got me there, you know, he got me a, helped get me a job at WWE. uh, put me, he was the guy that put me in the position to become a trainer at OVW. So, um, you know, it was just really, I just didn't want to let him down, you know, I have all these things that happened over the years. I'm like. I just, uh, but you know what? I just say to myself, just gotta do the best you can. That's all you can control, you know? So when you, during your time at OVW,
0: you, you spoke on the TV tapings, but you also said house shows, how much of a difference is it for you as a performer and as a trainer when you're either working a match or producing a match for a house show or working a match or producing a match for a TV taping? What's the biggest difference you do
1: when you are planning both matches? Yeah, well, you know, a TV, uh, TV taping, you know, that's your advertisement for the house shows. You know, that's how you try to fill in, uh, you know, the, the people at the house shows uh, by watching the TV program. So, um, you know, you're dealing with the diff- two different animals, you know, um, with TV, you know, it's, um, you got, you got time cues and then you got pieces of the business that you need to get across at a match, you know, um, you got, um, you know, um, uh, what was I going to say here? You got, um, uh you know with uh you you've got your camera angles and, and you've got you got to know how to work the camera you know um you got a lot more promos on TV you know whether it's backstage vignettes selling for the next town to what you're doing that weekend or whether it's in-ring promo um you know so it's uh it's definitely two different animals where a house show is a lot more relaxed you know um you can kind of go out there and, and, and just work. And, uh, you know, if you go, if you go over a little bit, it's not like it's the end of the world, you're not dealing with thousands of dollars, you know, like if you go over on TV or anything like that, and you got to make up that time. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, two different, you know, two different areas of expertise and, uh, but yeah, you know, I enjoyed doing, uh, producing matches for, for, for TV there, you know, and, uh, I enjoyed uh, wrestling TV. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, Uh, definitely two different animals for sure
0: okay so after ovw you got the call up and you guys are getting ready to go up to the main roster where Mm -hmm. what was your nerve level like when you were like oh shit i'm going to the show now you know yeah man
1: actually i was relieved i was very relieved yeah i was relieved because and i'll tell you why it's because i was at a point in time i was signed at that point for like maybe two or three years um paul heyman was booking at the time and he really wasn't doing anything with me on TV. And I was kind of in limbo. Um, I was trying different gimmicks and characters and nothing. You know, I was throwing shit against the wall, but the problem was nothing was sticking. And I was kind of just kind of lost, you know, and um, I wasn't fearing for my job or anything like that because I knew, you know, eventually the right thing would come across and I'll run with the ball. And fortunately for me, that's when this, uh, the Spirit Squad came about and they pitched me the idea and I was like. Wow! Finally, I got some direction here. I can, I, can, I know what they what they want right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, I can just now take the ball and kind of run with it here. I, you know, I got a, I got some, I got a clue what I'm doing. You know, so that's what I did, and, and uh, pretty much embraced the opportunity when I got it. You know, and uh, became one of the five guys. You know, to do the gimmick.
0: Uh, when you guys were doing the run as the Spirit Squad, you guys had a tag title run, and you got to implement a cool kind of uh a, a unique rule in wrestling with the free bird rule where you had five yeah. guys wearing the title and it was, how was that like planning wise for the five of you? Did you guys know ahead of time? Okay. It was going to be you and Nick for this match or it was going to be Nick and you know, somebody else. Like how did that go about planning that using such a unique rule like the free bird rule where there was
1: five guys wearing two belts? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what they did. They wanted they us to do the free bird rule and uh, pretty much, you know, it, it was cool because we, we've we all been We've all worked together, except for Mitch. We were all were together in OVW for so long, you know, together. So we've wrestled each other thousands of times. You know, it's not like we didn't know who, who we were or who each other were. And we we're all actually pretty much, for the most part, all pretty good friends. Um, so it was, com- you know, we had that comfort level, Whether whatever combination that you put together, uh, we know that we're going to get a, a solid outing because it's not like it's the first time we ever got in the ring with each other. We, had that, we all had that chemistry and stuff. Um, I probably had the best chemistry with Kenny. Um, you know, and um, we did the run later on again in 2016, and uh, so many interpe- independents together after that. And I, you know, was, Kenny's just a guy that I just felt comfortable with. Uh, just we had that chemistry. He's one of those guys that, you know, we didn't have to say a word, we just looked at each other, we knew where we were going, um, and we just had good matches, you know, and uh, so um, yeah, but I mean, I enjoyed working with Jeter, uh, Dolph, you know, we had good matches, we worked a lot, uh, together a lot in FCW, um you know, actually helped train Dolph at the very beginning. So I, I, uh, I seen him grow from the ground up, you know, uh, when Lance storm was here, I was helping him out with that. And, uh, yeah, it's just been really cool. You know, um, anytime you get the free bird rules, you can be a little bit more creative.
0: Uh, during this title run, you guys, you were in the, the match when the title change happened and you actually dropped the belts to Piper and flair that night. Uh, mm-hmm. what was that like? I mean, looking back at it now, to, to have an opportunity at that point in your career to work with literally two of the GOATs. They're on the top of everybody's list. They're always at the top of the Mount Rushmores. What was it like working with Piper and Flair? Uh,
1: it was a dream come true, man. You know, I mean, those are two guys that I watched and was a big fan of uh, growing up. You know, that was like my childhood hero. Uh, my childhood, uh, you know... Um, my childhood wrestlers coming to life. I'm like, wow, I'm not watching them anymore. I'm actually in the ring wrestling them. This is uh, freaking unreal, you know? And and that's the thing about the Spirit Squad is that it was a Vince McMahon idea. So you knew it was going to get pushed to the moon. And uh, that's exactly what happened because as soon as we got there, they threw us right into the main events. And uh, everything happens so fast. Before, I think we were a couple weeks in before you know it. We're winning the tag belts against Kane and Big Show. And then after that, we're working with DX, Shawn Michaels, and Hunter, and and then putting Flair in the mix. You know, because um, sometimes one of those guys would take it, uh, the weekend off on house shows, and Flair would take their place. And then uh, you know after that, we um, you know are uh, working with the legends: Dusty Rhodes, uh, Ron Simmons, uh, Roddy Piper, Rick Flair. Um, I don't know if I'm missing any anybody else off the top of my head right now, but the whole point is, I mean, that's fucking thousands of years of experience, you know, that I'm a boy here in a man's world, you know, I was 23 at the time. And I was just like, I need to embrace this opportunity kind of like how I felt in OVW when I got that chance. Um, because this is definitely something that ain't going to come around uh, probably ever again. Uh, cause you know, when, when, I, when I was up there working, then that was kind of like the tail end of their careers. You know, a lot of them retired after that, you know, and, uh, that's, that's kind of, that's really where I learned how to draw money, you know, and, and work me events and, uh, just to, um, just to, uh, be the best, like best wrestler that I can be, you know, just from learning from them, uh, because they've been there, done that, you know, get in the ring with people that are better than you, more experienced. And it was just a dream come true. So I, it was surreal. It was very cool. You know, the fan came out of me a little bit, you know, but then when the bell rings, you know, you kind of get back into professional mode and it's all business from there.
0: So out of curiosity, uh, what was a, your first encounter with Vince McMahon like?
1: My um, first encounter with Vince McMahon was we went to TV and um, we had a dark match that night because they wanted to see the gimmick and, you know, uh, you know full force. And Johnny Ace uh, said, okay, we're, we're going to go meet with Vince, you know, and um, he wants to meet you guys. I was like, all right, sweet, let's, let's meet the big man. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we get in the elevator and Johnny Ace is uh, in the elevator with us. And he's like, oh, you, you, you only get one chance to make a first impression, you know, and uh, we already had a plan, you know, that because we knew that and that we were going to kind of make that first impression. So we came up with this little idea when the elevator finally opened you know, uh, we, I had the air horn with me, uh, you know, and uh, I freaking started blowing that thing off, you know, in the arena. And we, I, all five of us started running into Vince's office at TV. And uh, we all get in line and we're like, Vinny, I'm Kenny, Johnny, you know, Mitch, Nikki and Mikey, you know, we are the spirit squad. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And then I took the air horn right in his face and go, you know, and he's going to love it. He's going to hate it. He's going to tell me to get the fuck out or he's going to freaking be like, all right, we're going to freaking run with this, you know? And, uh, he looked down at us, took off his glasses and he's like, yeah, this is going to work, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so that's, that was my first meeting, my first encounter with Vince McMahon. And, uh, he actually had the idea to put us on TV that night because I guess he was a fan that, you know, uh, we just kind of made that impression on him, you know, but, uh, we ended up not debuting that night. We had a dark match, but we we killed it, and uh, we debuted shortly after that.
0: What was the locker room like coming out of that? You're in that transition period from the end of the Attitude Era, the Ruthless Aggression area, that early 2000s, that 05, 06, 07 range. What was the locker room like back
1: then? Um, it, Definitely different than now, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, a, a lot more guys with, uh, that had experience under their belt, a lot more veterans, uh, a lot of testosterone running around, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for sure. Um, you know, and it, it was a funky situation because I mean, been, you know, we're in a, I'm in a locker room with the guys that have been there for, you know, years and years. And, you know, a lot of the guys have even done the territories and stuff like that. And, you know, you get five guys pulled up to the main roster, and, you know, you get thrown in the main events right away, you know, um. You know, you you get the, you know, you get your group of people that are happy for you, but then you kind of get the group of people that are kind of like, all right, who are these freaking young punks, you know, coming in and, uh, you know, kind of going to the top, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes not gonna lie, they made it very hard for us, you know, sometimes the locker room, you know, and uh, try to get your head, you know, uh, doing some ribs and stuff like that, you know, and, you know, you're just a young kid, you're happy to be there, you know, and you're finally making a living to getting paid doing what you love to do. You know, yeah, and you just kind of want to steer clear of all that, but you just freaking face it every single freaking day, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where you just um, take it, you know, and just don't sell it. You don't put it over, you know, and eventually it passes. It's when you sell it and put it over that it just keep messing with you and keep trying to get in your head and everything like that. But, um, you know, for the most part, I got along with everybody. I was, I was, you know, I was an OVW guy. So, so many guys have came through there and visited you know, when they were hurt or whatever like that. So I got to know the guys before I even went up there. Uh, I had a good reputation. I was always trying to be respectful um, and uh, just do my job. You know what I mean? So um, for the for the most part, uh, my experience was good up there, you know? Mm-hmm. So after
0: you got through your run on the main talent, you uh, let's say as we phase back into the indie scene after your run in WWE, what were the biggest differences you saw after – being in the Indies before going through your WWE rerun, and then going back out onto the Indies. Did, what were the biggest, my impression
1: from the Indies when I came back to, as opposed to the Indies when I I first started. Correct. Okay. Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to think about that one here for a second. Um, honestly, I felt more like the old guy on the Indies now, the second time around, you know, um, when I was there in the Indies, uh, the first time around, um, I was very, very green, didn't have much experience. Um, I did a lot of, you know, just paint by number matches, calling everything in the back and just kind of going out there and doing moves with no real psychology. Um, you know, I didn't really work with that many guys that I can remember the first time around. That was like a veteran, like that's been around for for a long, cause I've only been on the Indies for like a year and then I got my OVW break. So it wasn't very really long. Um, but post Indies, when I came back, Um, Now I had all this experience under my belt, you know, now I had experience as a trainer. Now I got this experience from being on the road and knowing how to work TV and doing house shows. And, um, so I felt like the guy that, um, you know, I I felt a lot more comfortable, um, working with the younger talent, um, or even guys that were the same level of experience as me. Um, just being able to go out there and call matches in the ring uh, a lot more. Um, I felt more confident, um, you know, and um, yeah, it was just, just cool to work with just a bunch of different guys, you know, um, just different styles, you know, um, going all around the world. Whether it was Japan, Africa, the, the, Europe, um, here in the States, everywhere I went was just different, you know. So you always had to adjust and just to accommodate to what the, the people want that day and night. But um, yeah, for the most part, you know, and at the same time, it's still a job, you know, get get paid at the end of the day. So nothing really changed as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, man, I, um, I felt more confident and just kind of felt more like I belonged and, uh, you know, um, just, uh, more and more experienced. That's the difference.
0: What's your favorite place you've wrestled outside the States? You've wrestled all over the world. What's your favorite city?
1: Australia. Definitely. Uh, Sydney, Melbourne. Uh, God, the people are on fire there. We did a match, uh, a few years ago against the Young Bucks and, uh, just really completely tore the house down and, uh, very, very, uh, just great fans, you know, and, uh, the uh, hospitality was amazing there, and um, just uh, it was just a lot, a lot of fun. But, so I, I'll always remember my experiences from Australia. So it was cool. When you work
0: in, when you work internationally and you go from country to country, do you see the drastic differences from country to country that you do here in the states? Just going from territory to territory, wrestling in the northeast versus the south versus out west. Do you see those drastic changes from country to country?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, every town you go to, um, every every country you go to. Um, uh, even every state you go to you know um, it's, it's just uh, the uh, crowd's different um, sometimes their expectations are, um, are a little bit different and you got to figure that out and uh, you know um, when you're in WWE and you do that it's not necessarily the case because it's the WWE product and the fans are coming to see the WWE product so they just want to see what you've been doing on TV so you don't really change that much what you do if that makes sense um with the indies it's different because um you know you're out there you're by yourself you know and um sometimes they want to see wrestling sometimes they want to see comedy sometimes they want violence you know um sometimes um you know they just want you to go uh, they want you to go old school you know and uh, you can take an arm or a headlock and sit there for freaking five minutes and they're going to get with it you know where you can't really do that in new york so to say or you know they'll probably eat you up alive you know because uh, it's just different um atmosphere you know and the uh, di- different expectations so um yeah it was cool man you know uh europe I mean, just a lot of uh just different wrestling you know um not not as much for me not as much character driven stuff you know but it's uh, like good mat wrestling good chain wrestling you know and then uh you know you go to australia and they you kind of just do like a little bit of the opposite you know and they want to see some good wrestling but they want to see some good character work you know and they want to uh the promos are very important there you know and so yeah It was just different everywhere you went.
0: All right. I always close all of my interviews with five rapid fire questions. Some having to do with wrestling, some not. I got your skewed up. You ready? All right. Ready to go. What's your favorite food? Pizza. That's a good pick. Always love yeah. pizza. New York
1: pizza, that is. Oh, <laughs> that's,
0: like... I, I always ask. I, was, I figured as a New Yorker, I was going yeah, to ask. It's do you, got you like pizza? New fit- York style. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Pizza's always my go to <laughs> pick. Um, what's your favorite venue you've ever had a chance to wrestle in?
1: I mean, I got to go to Madison Square Garden just because it's Madison Square Garden. And I got the Russell Piper uh, on 9-11. And uh, my parents oh, wow. were there. My, fa- my friends and family were there. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, how can you top that, right? You know. I mean, so. yeah,
0: you can't beat Madison Square Garden <laughs> against Piper. Like, that, that's, that's up yeah. there. Uh, yeah, who Who cool. is your favorite superstar growing up?
1: Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Yep, he was my guy. You know, used to have, uh, I used to dress up as him when I was a kid. You know, um, I put the sharpshooter on my brother, and, uh, you know, everything was about Brett, man. I was the biggest Brett Hart fan.
0: Did you ever have a chance to use the sharpshooter in a match as an homage to Brett? Did you ever pull
1: it out? You know, I never uh, I never did, actually, come to come to think of it, you know? I uh, just never was in the forte, you know? I just never did it, yeah. I used the Cloverleaf, you know, I was also a fan of DiMalenco. But uh, no, I know never did the sharpshooter for some reason.
0: <laughs> I've never asked anybody that. For some reason, it just popped into my head when you said Bret Hart. I was like, I wonder if he ever used the sharpshooter.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: What's your favorite movie?
1: Oh, my favorite movie. Um, hmm, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective.
0: Fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh man, I memorized that movie from A to Z. I remember at one point that
0: was huge <laughs> when I like huge that mid '90s push. Like, man, Jim Carrey was yeah. the, the top of the comedy game. Killer. You know. What is your favorite vacation spot?
1: A vacation spot? Hmm. Vacation spot. I don't take many vacations these days, but if I got to pick one. Uh, huh. Oh, actually, you know what? I take it back. I mean, I, I went to Cancun once. That was really sweet. I had a freaking great-ass time there. Um, uh, This is when I was 28 I went there. Uh Anywhere, yeah, the Caribbean, tropical. I'm a big beach person. Anything with the sun, uh, I'm a very happy man.
0: Yep. Excellent. Mike, this is my favorite part of the episode because I don't have to say anything. I just get to sit here, uh, take a minute or two, plug your stuff, tell everybody what you have going on in your world and, uh, where they can find you. Sure.
1: All right. Uh, in a nutshell, yeah. If you want to book me, uh, Mike Mondo for a wrestling appearance seminar, um, you contact me at the Mike Mondo, uh, gmail.com. Um, uh, again, I do those, uh, match, uh, breakdowns with the Mondo bootcamp, pick the mind of Mondo, um, you know, $20, I'll dissect your match from A to Z. Uh, you can email me at the uh, same address I just said, uh, hit me up on Twitter, uh, the Mike Mondo. Um, I'm also the trainer at the head trainer at NYWC wrestling school in Long Island, New York. Uh, if you're interested in joining, you're in the area, you want a private lesson. Um, I do that as well. Um, again, just hit me up and we'll make an appointment and, um, yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much it. Excellent. Mike, I
0: appreciate you stopping by and ch- chatting about some wrestling with me.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thanks Recording for having me stopped. On. I it.
0: Absolutely, man. Now, as we close another episode of Botch, Bots and Chair Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. I remind you go wherever you do anything on the internet. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. For Mike Mondo, I am the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening. Botch, Botts, and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch, Spots and Chair Shots on all
1: platforms to make sure we're here on Botch, Botts, and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely in the spotlight. on
0: Savage.
1: The- takeover Take over all and box